And I'm Esther. <laughs> We're trying out the introducing ourselves instead of saying hi to the other person thing. Yeah. This is the second time we've done it. I feel like that will help with people distinguishing our voices who are new to the podcast. Because I feel like yeah. we got like, a lot of feedback from the beginning. Like, which one's Esther and Holly? It's but, only yeah. easy to tell us apart because I'm the one who's always yelling. <laughs> I just have a lot to say. Yay, that's okay. That's totally fine. <laughs> so, welcome to our second episode of Tarot Summer Camp, or I guess Wildly Summer Camp, because Wildly we're not only camp? talking about tarot, although this is the second episode in which we are discussing tarot. We are doing a Celtic cross reading for one of our beloved wildlings, followed by a review of a deck that is in our book, The History of Tarot Art by Holly Adams Easley and Esther Joy Archer, available now for pre-order that we had not previously reviewed on the podcast. So this week we're talking about Visconti Tarot, which is one of the oldest complete decks. Yeah, I think it's kind of considered the quote-unquote first First. deck. Even though it's not technically the first deck, it's the first known deck that's survived history. Yeah, exactly, because paper is hard to maintain. Yeah. It's just a fact. Yep. Uh, But first, we are going to do a Celtic Cross reading for our dear, dear, dear wildling Rachel. And Celtic Cross, as longtime listeners know, is not our favorite spread, but we thought it would be really helpful from a summer camp learning perspective to do a, a spread that uh, interconnects so much. Yes, yes. So from Rachel, she says, picture it. Sicily, 1984. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Picture it. You've been working from home for 14 months during a global pandemic. Your company implemented a hiring freeze for your department, canceled annual raises, and stopped approving overtime. People have left, yet they haven't been replaced. The workload hasn't decreased with the workers, and everyone left is expected to pick. Oh, everyone left is expected to pick up the slack. Yep, Fast yep, yep. forward to today, you're required to be back in the office. Company policy states that if you've been fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask, but it's on the honor system, and you're having a hard time trusting the anti-mask slash anti-vax people are playing to act very honorable. Spoiler, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me, and I don't love it. (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of companies who have made the the decision to go fully remote after the past year, and with my experience, I know I could find something in my field. But I love the people I work with, and I'm hesitant to leave a place that's taught me so much over the years. Should I start looking for a new job and risk losing the security I have now? Should I stick it out and trust it will get better? Should I run and hide and pretend I have no problems? Please send help. (laughs) (laughs) Run and hide does not seem like a sustainable choice. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. (laughs) You're like, I'm fully gung-ho run and hide. (laughs) So because of the format of the Celtic Cross, basically, rather than answering the specific questions, we're just going to talk about her current job situation. Yes. And the Celtic cross spread is 10 cards and it starts with the present moves on to the challenge, then goes to the past, the future, uh, the above card and the below card. So the above card reflects the ultimate goal aspiration or best outcome. The below card reflects the subconscious realm of the querent, um, and kind of the core of the issue Card seven is advice. Card eight is external influences. Card nine is hopes or fears. And card 10 is outcome. Woo. So 
this is one of the reasons why we don't always encourage Celtic cross stuff because it is so broad in general and it is not a very specific like way to approach something. So we are going to just choose that this can be about staying in her current job. Yeah. What it would look like staying in her current job with all of these components. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So, and we're going to only each pull one card for each of these positions. Okay. (laughs) Holly is establishing that rule now for herself. (laughs) Exactly. She says to convince herself first and foremost and only. Because this is not a problem that Esther has. <laughs> yes. I'm I'm usually pretty fine with anything. <laughs> I just am an enthusiast. You are. So the first position is the present. Okay. So this card represents what's happening in the present time. And we're doing this staying in her current job as sort of the... Yes. The focus. Problem. Yes. I got the Knight of Wands. And I got the Five of Pentacles. Okay. Uh, wands. Oh, yeah, I can. Oh, I, I'm going to work this iPad. Five of Wands. Five of Wands? No, Knight of Wands is what you got. Yeah. And I got the Five of Pentacles. So with Celtic Crosses, it seems most helpful to pull everything and then yes. start reading the positions. Yes. Okay. Second card is the challenge. And what is the challenge other than the MTV show that we're all obsessed with? Oh, best show of all time. (laughs) (laughs) The Emperor. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay. Okay. I'm already having pings for all this stuff, and it's hard to hold back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I got the Page of Rods, which um, I'm reading from Morgan Greer, which is the Page of Wands. Wands. All right. The past. Okay. The past. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. I got the Hanged Man. And I got a Judgment. Okay. Yeah. I think that I'm already getting the mm-hmm. it's time to move on vibe from this pretty strongly. <laughs> I mean, that the emperor came up and I was like, oh, I know who that is. I don't even know who that is, but I feel like when the emperor is the challenge, it's kind of like the boss situation is not going well. Her boss is horrible. (laughs) Oh, God. And then for the future, card four, I got the tower. Okay, just a second. Oh, just a second. Let me shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Okay. And I got... The chariot. Okay. The tower and chariot. That's but like get out of there fast. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Sorry. Uh, Spoiler alert. Okay. Get out of there fast. Okay. Five. Position five. What's position five? I'm not there yet. Okay. Above. Uh, above. So basically, kind of like the goal or aspiration, best outcome sort of thing to work towards. Above. Or best outcome in terms of the situation. Oh, my God. Okay, I got the five of cups. Okay. I 
And I got Temperance. All right. Six below. This card reflects that which is in the subconscious realm. Or the foundation of the situation. Yes, 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 yes. Oop. Oh, my gosh. That almost went everywhere. Okay. <laughs> I got the star for that. Oh, below subconscious. And I got the six of wands. The star and six of wands. Okay. All right. Then seven is advice. Okay. This is one that we're used to. Thank all the goddesses above <laughs> and below. And below. <laughs> the magician is what I got. And I got the devil. All right. And external influences, card eight. Oh, the, the magician, that's right. External influences. External influences. Two of swords for me. And I got the five of swords. Two, two swords there. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Swords. Okay. And then nine is hopes and or fears. I think part of this is like motivations. Like yeah. if that makes any sense. And depending totally. on what comes out will help. I got the queen of cups. And I got the world. World. All right. And then 10 outcome. Queen of Cups in the world is kind of an interesting mm -hmm. situation for the stuff that was out at the beginning. Totally. Three of Pentacles is mine for the outcome. And I got the Nine of Pentacles. Again, interesting. There's two Pentacles. Yeah. Nine of Pentacles. Okay, so this goes against the way that we normally do these things is normally we kind of like assess as we go. But I think with Celtic Cross, it's sort of traditional to pull for everything and then yes. go through it. Um, but this is really interesting. So just kind of starting from the beginning, the present, the Knight of Wands and the Five of Pentacles. I think that that is a testament to how much there are are other options that would make you more money almost like the present in your current job is that you're continuing to move forward. The Knight of wands is not like the most like slapdash night or the most rational night. It's just sort of like doing things that it does and paired with the five of pentacles, which is a card that is, has kind of like a lack of physical, like physical or physicality, like it's it's about so much lack that I think that maybe there's even an element of not like you're not making enough money here, but maybe just like there's you're not getting that much out of this. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you're just kind of going through the motions and continuing to move forward because you're already on that path. You're exerting so much energy into something that's not giving back to you. 
Yeah, enough. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah totally. totally. Yeah. And with the challenge being the Emperor and the Page of Wands, I almost feel like there's like somebody maybe mm-hmm. younger that's getting preferential treatment. And so the reason that you're not like getting what you're worth out of this, whether it's monetarily or just from feedback and praise even, is that it feels like the person in charge is already sort of like priming somebody else to be the one who gets those things. Yeah. And the sense for, for me is also those rules and regulations that keep being put in place are keeping you at a lower status than where you should be. Oh yeah. I like that. I like that interpretation of the page of wands and the emperor too. Yeah. Because while you should be advancing in your company, they keep raising the bar. There's preventing that from happening. Yeah. So the past, the hanged man and judgment are really interesting in the past because I feel like it's kind of like you have not ever made decisions. Like you have not made decisions about this job. Like you have felt sort of like like, like you're preventing from doing the thing that feels the most right in mm-hmm. this job in the past. Is yeah. that sort of what you're getting from it too? Yeah, I think for hangman and judgment is interesting because there's this passivity with where you are, you know, with what has happened up until this point where yeah. you haven't been in control. The passiveness is what I was looking right. for. Yeah. yeah, that passiveness is it you deciding what your calling is. It's someone else determining what your calling is. And like you're on hold a lot. You're being held back. You're being kind of like, like just the image of the hangman just sort of like waiting for someone to do something with you because you have all this potential. But yeah. they're not moving forward with that. Right, exactly. So then for the future, the tower and chariot, I feel like there's it's going to kind of like reach a boiling point, right? Yeah. Like there's something going on where it's going to totally collapse around. You. Yeah. I, this structure is not sustainable for their own business. So yeah. it's going to happen quickly. And whether it's other people have left or the fact that their structure is just going to kind of implode on its on itself. Well, and having it be a future card, but having both of these things be about speed also yeah. feels like this is something that's going to be happening sooner rather than later. Yeah, it's kind of like a like reckoning almost. Yes, totally. Yes, 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 totally. Because they're both so yikes, much quick yikes. movement there for both. So of them. much quick movement, exactly. So for card five, the clearance goals, or aspiration, or best outcomes in regards to the situation. We got the five of cups and temperance. And remember, this is about staying in that role. Mm -hmm. So if the uh, sort of like aspiration or best outcome with staying in the role is about feelings of loss with the five of cups. uh, And also, again, this is like the second time in a couple of weeks where temperance has been so alchemical to me, rather, because for so long it was about balance and spirit guides. but. For me in this position, especially paired with the Five of Cups as an outcome, it feels kind of like the the feeling of loss will be related to the what I could have created sort of uh-huh. mindset. Like, yeah. could I have tra- like made more of this and created, like transmuted more out of this role? I guess I won't ever have the chance to know with that Five of Cups. Yeah. And I think it's like... If, if you're like the current goal for saying my job, you know, is, 
okay, well, I, I'll accept these losses and try to find a way to be okay with where I'm at right now. Like trying to, I don't want to say like to force that happiness, but to force those chemicals to work together. If that makes any yeah, sense. Totally. And I think especially paired with the below, which is the subconscious realm of the star and the six of wands is that the subconscious part of you wants the recognition of yeah. having put so much into this and succeeded. Like uh-huh. the six of wands is so totally. perfect in that spot because it's like, and with the star too, mm-hmm. like the recognition is so appealing. Like if yeah. I pull this off, it will feel so good. And that's the subconscious part of it that you don't really want to admit to. Cause it's kind of embarrassing to like put right. yourself in a really difficult situation for so long just in the hopes that people say like, wow, you fucking nailed it. You're yeah. a rock star. Right. But that's also really fair yeah. to have those feelings. Yeah. And like for me, what immediately the phrase was like, you hope that they'll eventually follow through with, with what they promised. Right. Like you, exactly. you're hoping that that one day that recognition will happen. You're hoping that one day these follow through will occur. And that's sort of your motivation for staying in this role in, in position where you're at right Yeah, now. totally. And then for seven, which is the advice card, the de- the magician and the devil is also really cool because I think having two major arcana for advice is like, this is your chance to make a really big move. Yeah. And especially with those two cards, it's like really recognizing what is having a stranglehold over you and mm-hmm. what's controlling your ability to sort of like step into a position of power and position of control is the advice. Like really figure out what's, keeping you trapped and what's uh-huh. preventing you from utilizing the tools you already have. Cause I do think that's another important yep. component of the magician is that you have these tools like completely uh-huh. you totally have these tools. You just need to utilize them and figuring out what is preventing you from doing that is the advice that you need to take or just recognizing that you, the job staying in the job is preventing you from taking control. Right. Yeah. And I, I also think with the devil, there's a sense of like countercultural and doing like what's not natural to you maybe. Yeah. And this stepping out for the magician, like, especially since we're in a, like an active role and like what's expected of you is to follow the emperor's rules, but the devil's here to be like, no, 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 we don't follow the emperor's rules. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. exactly. Why don't you have a little fun with this? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Recognize, (laughs) like recognize that you don't need to be trapped by that any longer. Right. Totally. I love that. Yeah. And then the external influences are the two of swords and the five of swords. And I also (laughs) just feel like this is just so typical. Yeah. Like the outside influences are sneakiness and conflict and indecision that you have no control over whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So then think about the difference between the advice card, which is so powerful and so in the driver's seat versus the outside influence, which is like so sniveling and ineffective and weak yeah where it's like both the indecision and also the the sneakiness and conflict it's like these people you are so much better than this Mm -hmm. basically like the advice is that you are the magician and these people are just like dealing with the five of swords and two of swords right well and like while you may love the people you work with this a five of swords sort of like work environment isn't healthy first of all right but also like with the to me this is more kind of speaking to like the structure of the place with the five of swords because okay, we get the two of swords like I, I i we should say that the two of swords is indecision and kind of being frozen decision and you have yeah. two paths so that's that's kind of a given i should have explained that before and they're doing that in a job where they're like kind of making decisions that aren't really well thought out because right just like oh this is how we've always done it 
So we're going to keep doing it. This right. Way now. And to me with the five of swords, like they are wanting to convince you to stay where you're at, to be complacent. Like those words that are negative, those th times when they're holding you back, it's because they get more out of it with you staying in your place than yeah. if, you, if you knew your worth and acted on it, which is yeah. what the magician is calling you to do. that magician energy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So for nine, which is the hopes and or fears, I think getting the queen of cups in the world is again, kind of reflecting that, uh, star and six of wands thing where it's yeah. like your hopes for this are that people will say, wow, look at what you've done. Mm -hmm. Look at all you've accomplished. Look at how capable and in control you are basically. Oh, oh. <laughs> She just flinched and knocked my whole mic over. That's okay. It's okay. Girlfriend. She like, she's like fully asleep and she just like twitched really violently in her sleep. Oh my God. This dog. Um, we saw her. It's okay. I know. I love her so much. Uh, but I think that like that makes sense as a hope. Yeah. You're, but I think that it also can be interpreted as a fear as well because the downside of the Queen of Cups is sadness to me. Yeah. Like the shadow of the queen of cups is feeling like you have put so much emotional energy into this, mm -hmm. your whole heart. Yeah. And you put, you wanted it to be your world. You wanted it to be something that worked out and it just isn't. So it can be both a hope and a fear because the fear is that you will spend more emotional energy here and mm -hmm. not have it work out. Right. Um, and the hope is that it will work out and you will be this like queen of the place. Like everyone right. will be so proud of you and so glad you're there. But that is internal hopes and or fears, not external necessarily. Right. And also with like the queen, it's like, and with the world, it's sort of like you're, you've nurtured this so much. It's, it's hard to release that mm -hmm. and complete it and to finish this part of your life. Yeah. That's, yeah, you know, that's a really complete. Right. That's true. Because you've put so much emotional energy, not, you know, just only like work wise, but like emotional value in this, that it's hard to sort of, you know, say that, okay, this is the final chapter. We're done. Yeah, totally. Totally. And then the outcome. So the outcome of staying in your current job is the three of pentacles and nine of pentacles. Both of which seem positive, but I do think that the nine of pentacles, the thing that we always have to remember with that card is that there is a level of smugness involved with the uh -huh. nine of pentacles. Yeah. So the outcome for staying in that job is that you'll continue to work with your team. That's where the three of pentacles uh -huh. is. And you'll feel kind of a little bit proud of yourself for not being somebody who gave up easily. And I'm using huge air quotes for that because I think the rest of the reading is saying like staying is giving up. But in uh -huh. your brain, a part of your brain thinks that leaving would be giving up. Right. Yeah. I, th I think with this outcome, it's like, like that's kind of like the, the, the hard part about a Celtic cross is because there's so many components and outcome is like, well, what part are we talking of the outcome are we talking about? Yeah. You know, like what, what component of this, if she acts on this magician advice, is it the outcome or not? Right. For, you know, for me, it's like with the three of pentacles and nine of pentacles, because it has to do with like two pentacles and like we discussed in our intro to terror episode pentacles will have a lot of things to do with the home and job and physical mm -hmm. things yeah with both these being pentacles to me it's job related like this is has right. to do with where they're at now yeah. and with the nine of pentacles she knows her own value and yeah. so going back to your team 
and even saying, I'm worth this, take it or leave it, that to me could also possibly be an outcome where you're not willing to bend to somebody else's whims. And like you said, there may be some, you know, smugness involved where if you stay at where the, where it was at the status quo, where things are at now, I think definitely there's some smugness and maybe some, um, what's that word? Not necessarily bitterness, but like you're going to foster that because you know your own value and they're not giving that to you. Yeah. So it may turn that nine of pentacles, like Holly said, a little bit darker as well. So it kind of depends on your focus on the outcome. If you're going to be active about it or if you're going to be passive about it, how this nine of pentacles responds, like right. Dark, you know, with the shadow side or not. So totally see. And this is the hard thing for me about the Celtic cross is that it ends on an outcome rather than the advice. I think it would be stronger if it ended on the advice. So do you want, do you mind if we pull secondary advice? Yeah. Like after the whole spread additional advice, because the first set of advice being the devil magician, devil and the magician is good. Yes. I almost want to like expound upon that a little bit, like sort of additional, additional steps. Yeah. Next step sort of stuff. Yeah, totally. I got the five of swords and the ace of wands. This is my chance to pull two cards. Oh, okay. what did you get? <laughs> um, the seven of cups and the two of wands. Seven of cups and two of wands. It's 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 saying pick a cup. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know you you're, you're, you plan plan something and pick the cup up like right. And you're at this place of complacency. Picture. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the maybe the five of swords and the uh, ace of wands is also like it's okay to feel conflicted about this decision, and that doesn't have to play as much of an impact in whether or not you stay. Yeah, you can feel conflicted, but also make a decision. Yeah, yeah. Good luck, Rachel. Yeah, we love you. Thank so you much. for letting us force you into letting us do this reading. Twisting your arm so much exactly. to do this reading for you. <laughs> All right, so we are talking about the Visconti deck in this episode, though, which I am super excited about. And it was hard to, uh, like, review before because there is not sort of one version of the Visconti tarot. Um, and also it is kind of ugly. Let's just be honest. It, it, I mean, we, we, when it's hard for us to talk about any sort of pip deck because there's not a lot of variation, you know? Right. So that's, that's another part of the reason is that Visconti is, Pippish in the minor arcana and the majors are, you know, a bit different. So, yeah. So this is the first chapter of our book. We start off with the Visconti tarot because it is the oldest extant tarot deck or mostly <laughs> extant. Yep. Um, the versions, there are three main versions that we kind of go off of today. Uh, all of which are in private collections or museums. So Mm -hmm. no individuals own the originals anymore, but they are reproduced pretty frequently, almost always in gigantic format. (sighs) I hate it so much. It's such a huge deck. Uh, And uh, like, it makes sense because the original themselves were huge, but then, but they don't, like account for the fact that we have to like read with them and shuffling them as hard. Exactly. (laughs) And maybe that's kind of the thing is that I guess if you're using it for playing cards, having them be, but you still have to shuffle. Who knows? I know. Bigger hands in (laughs) Renaissance Italy, I guess. Everyone was really short with big hands. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone was tiny with just gigantic hands for specifically playing cards. 
Uh, so anyway, the deck itself it was sort of created as a series of wedding gifts and this very powerful family's wedding between the Visconti family and the Sfarza family. Um, one of our points for these decks that we are including in the book is one of our most favorite facts about the deck. And yes. I think that our most favorite facts about the deck kind of involve these families primarily. Yes. Um, I'll do the child bride one. Basically. Okay. 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 <laughs> go ahead. So the couple, uh, let me get their name. Uh, Francesco Sforza and Bianca Maria Visconti. They got married in 1441. Um, and uh, they had been promised to each other much, much, much earlier when she was literally five years old after her husband helped her father win a little regional battle within Italy. Um, so they definitely were not like a love match. And I think that that makes the deck even more interesting because when you look at the symbols used, it's so much about combinations of power rather than like, Oh, romance. And it's still sort of like a wedding souvenir, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which also then leads to Esther's favorite fun fact. <laughs> Which is the fact that, of course, with any sort of um, royalty, there's always affairs that happen and like trysts and things like that. And also murder. And that's exactly. what also. Yeah. Then there's also rumors that I think was it Maria. Was that her name? No, Bianca yeah. Maria. That she may have possibly accidentally, quote unquote, killed one of the mistresses, yeah. the favorite of her husband. And right. So the weird the thing about them is that he the affairs were well known. He was way older than her. They did not have a lot of love for each other. They had like uh, tons of kids, though. They like, had so many kids, like over 10. Yeah, it was a lot. And <laughs> tons and tons of kids. But the affair thing was well known. Both of them were having affairs uh, you know, frequently people yeah. frequently. Um, <laughs> and only, yeah, that's why the mysterious death of his favorite mistress is so funny or strange. Cause it's like it, she must've been more of a threat than any of the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's the one who ended up dead and it is mysterious circumstances. Since this is the 15th century, there's not a ton of information. So we can't like give a real good story about <laughs> it, but something hinky was going on. Yep. And I that mean, is wild. I mean, it's, death happens with death murder. Death does happen. Exactly. So the presumed artist behind the Visconti deck is a man named Bonifacio Bembo. However, more recent historians have found that it is actually kind of unlikely that it was him just based on art style. Right. So in that case, the artist is mostly unknown. And it could have been some, one of those situations in the Renaissance where it was like, somebody's workshop was producing right. it. So their name still gets put on it, even if it wasn't technically them. Right. Um, but yeah. it was kind of following along the same lines as any of those sort of patron structures within the Renaissance where Bembo was a favorite of the Visconti Sfarza family. And the most well-known portraits of this Visconti's and the Sfarza's are by Bembo, so he therefore also gets credit for a lot of other stuff that's sort of in there. Right. And the reason that we know that it's not all credited to him or his workshop is that art styles kind of shifted and changed as right. time went on. So Yeah, exactly. And there's not as much consistency as you would expect if it was all done by the same person. Yes. Um, it does adhere to the structure that we expect with the trump cards being the major arcana 
and the minor arcana being split into uh, four different suits. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's kind of it. The most complete deck is called the Carry Yale deck, and it's 69 cards, and it's housed at Yale University. Uh, there are also um, decks called the Brera Bambi, Bambilla? Brambilla? I don't know. Uh, at the Brera Gallery in Milan. So that's 48 cards. Um, nobody really knows where they came from. Yeah. Pre-1900. They just kind of like were in some man's collection and he donated it, basically. <laughs> um, the oldest of the surviving sets, which was produced in 1451, so right around that wedding, the oldest surviving set, which is important yeah. because basically... We don't have the actual version that was created for the wedding itself. We mm -hmm. just have reproductions of that. But there are 61 surviving cards, and that one is the Piermont Morgan Bergamo deck. Yes. So the oh, it's interesting because those are that's a really, really, really long time for cards to sort of still be around because they are just made of paper. Mm -hmm. um, and they do all have artistic variations, including differences in gilding or whatever. But a lot of them, because we don't know where all of them necessarily came from, it's kind of a combination of being used in book bindings and people just taking really good care of it. Yeah. Um. Okay. There are some cards, though, that have been lost to history forever, and those cards are the Devil, the Tower, the Knight of Coins, and the Three of Swords. So no one knows what those look like. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and that's kind of the history of it. Do you have anything else you want to add about the history of the deck? No, I mean, I have thought it was super fascinating that, of course, they're giant size. Like, they're not tarot card size. They're much bigger than that. It's kind of like half a page of, a like, an A... Like a, like a, if you get like a letter size sort of piece of paper and, and cut it into 11. a third. Yeah. Yeah. And cut it into a third on that's like landscape wise. That's pretty much how big the card is. And it's like the cardstock is like literal cardboard. So they weren't like painting this like on paper. It yeah. was like on actual like cardboard. And so that's why people don't think this is technically made as a card game to play, but more of a commemorative sort yeah, of thing. thing because it would have been super, super unwieldy and right. difficult to use. Uh, which makes exactly. sense. Yeah. Because like, even the modern versions on cardstock, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of like how it survived. Through, exactly. Not, like paper thin stuff. Exactly. Um, did we have it? I just think that the family history is so interesting because like the area, like the Milan, Milan was like a hotbed of political conflict during mm -hmm. this time period. So it's all just like the weirdest stuff where they kind of are like, supporting each other and not supporting each other attacking other people <laughs> not attacking other well and people. you have to think that it's like a very small country like this is yeah. like the size of florida you know uh, no the all of italy is the size of florida yeah exactly so all of Milan italy is, is like florida Jackson, yeah like duval county like jacksonville which is the area of florida that you and i are both the most <laughs> yes, familiar with to. yes <laughs> it's like duval county but with full-blown wars. Yes. Just totally. back and forth back and for forth. decades. Yeah. <laughs> um, the wild thing is that, so when they, so they were, they got married, they were married to each other as like a political move. And then when Bianca's father died, there was an actual power vacuum. Like it didn't uh -huh. just go to them immediately. It went through this like brief period of Republic that was led by the university there. And then the university there decided to partner with 
Francisco or Francesco and Bianca. And that's when they kind of become powerful. Um, but he only because he declares himself as like the person in charge, basically. And right. he also has the support of uh, Venice. Also, it's just like so chaotic. And it's so interesting that that's like the first deck is in commemoration for just like some basic ass, you know, Renaissance <laughs> chaos people. Yeah. I mean, but the the cool part about that is that there are all these references to these battles and stuff within the cards. Like the knight's mm-hmm. armor reflects the armor that they would have been wearing and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, it's it's super cool that all the history behind it, and you can find that in our book, the the history of tarot art by S. Yeah, Archer exactly. And I guess I'm just Adam like Season. going so nuts about it because <laughs> I just love it so much. Okay, it's so, so cool. uh the versions that we have, I have a modern reprint version. Uh, that like we've already talked about is huge. Do you yeah. have a version also? No, I d- I have just only had the like the low scarabeo smaller kind of version. Oh, okay, the more manageable yeah, size, yeah, which yeah. is a good idea. Yeah. Um, our favorite cards from the deck. Okay, can we please? Okay, this is can, can we? Do we still have our like WTF section or what do we call? Yeah. Okay. Huh? Huh? The That's huh right. That's section? what we renamed to our huh section. Okay. Okay. Can we do our huh question? Our one first. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So my huh card. Is the forehead on Temperance? <laughs> I know. Can it's, we talk about this eight head that she has? I mean, it's so funny because if it's trying to reflect Renaissance beauty, it's like wow the the plucking back of the hair. She has she she has eyebrows that are very um, well maintained, and then it's literal like bald spot. I don't understand the art choice. The dress is beautiful. The everything else is beautiful. It's just that really really bad receding hairline i do not understand it at all it's just yeah it's an do, interesting it, does everyone choice. else have a hat on is that how everyone else's heads Maybe are covered else does have a hat, hat? i think all of the other the other female presenting cards do have hats or crowns so perhaps that's how they get around it yeah, so everyone, it must be. Everyone in those days had receding hairlines because of uh, no, hard water issues. I think it was issues. literally a style. I think that they would pluck back their hair. Oh my god! Thank goodness we did not like time warp Fall in for there. that. I know. God. Seriously, that's the era I'd least like to participate. Oh my in. gosh! I would just wear a hat all the time. Okay, so anyway, so that's my huh card is the that Do the temperance. I have any huh cards? I mean, that's probably the major one. The thing is, is that it's Renaissance, but it's early Renaissance and it is mostly just like, uh, like you like it because of the colors yes. and because of the historical significance, not because the art is beautiful. Yes, this is, yes, yes, this is true. Um, what are some of your favorite cards? I like the fact that the Popus is still there. And I think in later editions it's called the Papus. I think that's mm-hmm. what they eventually rename it to. But just the fact that there's this lore that there was a female Pope at one point and that has kind of commemorated in this deck, whether or not you, it was true or not, just the mythology behind it. Cause is really you cool. read Pope Joan as a child, didn't you? No, or I have whatever. no idea who that is. No, no, no. There's I just, like a <laughs> fictional account of it that I loved when I was okay. a little kid about the female Pope. Anyway, See, I just like heard of her because of Tara. And I was like, oh, really? Like, I, I mean, it makes sense, you know, but yeah. I just think it's so, I just think it's so cool that something maybe even mythological sort of eventually like led to this kind of being commemorated. But then it turned into the high priestess because how dare we have a papist? Exactly. <laughs> what are you even thinking? Yes. But that is one of the more beautiful cards. And uh, it's definitely like monk ish robes. Very like 
plain and humble, very nun-like with a crown, essentially, is what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. I really like the death card because it's oh, just yeah. a skinny skeleton. And for some reason, that makes me laugh really Like hard. a towel on its head that he's wrapped around after washing his hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's just like a very fancy skeleton. And then also from a political intrigue perspective, I really like the world because it's kind of like two oh, yeah. angels sort of like holding up specifically Milan, like the Milan yes. skyline. And I think that that's really cool from like a historical perspective. Oh, yeah. But from a, like, visual interest perspective, I really, really like the star Mm -hmm. also. It's, like, just a beautiful dress that the woman is, the star is wearing. And that's kind of the interesting thing is that all of the trump cards have people on them rather than just scenes. Yes. And then obviously it's a pip deck because none of the minor arcana are illustrated whatsoever. Right, right. Exactly. Um, Let's see. What other favorite cards do i have i do like the thing that resembles a dog lion in fortitude yeah the, fortitude <laughs> it's not exactly like it, it kind of reminds me of um in korean buddhist temples there you know we have these things that kind of look like lions but they don't really look like lions oh yeah because it was all described it was all described <laughs> from the from chinese text and they're translating they're like well we've never seen a lion before so we've got to make something that kind of looks like whatever they're describing it comes up with these funny <laughs> like lion thingies and that's why lion ass <laughs> so that to me reminds me of what fortitude they've really never seen a lion in italy but they kind of vaguely know what one could look like so right they- <laughs> exactly they're like sure this counts yeah why not? <laughs> I like that. That's yeah. funny. Um, so, yeah, the cultural impact of this deck kind of can't be understated, even though it's like still like just because people really point to it as being the first. But even in the right. most, like in the last five years, it's kind of come back into the spotlight because the Dior. Uh, oh, yeah. The Dior like main designer Christian is Dior, yeah. really into tarot. Yeah. That's her name. Maria Grazia Tiori. So yeah. I guess Christian Dior used to pull tarot before, before yeah, he would, shows, yeah. but then the cr- current creative director really, really likes it. So they made a, da- they made a jacket that you've probably seen. Cause mm-hmm. it was kind of like iconic where it was all gold hand sewn, like very intricate images of the Visconti tarot on this coat. It took 15, 1500 hours to sew. Yeah. Um, and Dior was like, like five years ago, very into tarot in general. Uh-huh, so there's right. like a lot of sort of tarot references. When we talk about mother piece later on in summer camp at some point, there's also some mother te- mother piece connections. <laughs> well, and also um, I believe they are also the, the fashion line that came out with this, like a couple months ago, their own tarot, like gowns and dresses and looks that oh. kind of released that commercial. It was like, it was really like, Oh it, yeah, you're right. They had a whole like mini film. Yeah. Mini film. Yeah. That was all. Tell- yeah. yeah. So I think that it's something that's like within their sort of, um, I don't want to like, it's, it's like kind of like their heritage kind of that they keep building on. So. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other interesting thing is that in the seventies, when people started getting really into tarot collection, mostly Stuart Kaplan, just really into tarot collections. Yeah. He, uh, who's the founder and uh, publisher of us games. But then at that point, all of the tarot publishers started compiling images of the existing Mm -hmm. decks that were, we already had. 
and trying to make them look more cohesive and fill in any gaps. And so that's why you'll see that there are like still many different versions just because people like that historical importance. Mm -hmm. And so it continued to kind of like be a crucial part of tarot history, even up to the sort of modern era or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Because like, even though the tower card is missing, it's a tower card. I think was missing initially from the Visconti. Yeah. Right. They, it's interesting to see the variations of the tower card in each kind of like publishing house's deck because like Los Garabeo, U.S. Games have had to create their own tower card based on the aesthetics of the remaining Visconti cards. Yeah, exactly. And the Devil 2, Knight of Wands, yeah. and Three of Swords. Yeah. So I guess that's kind of it for it. I mean, I guess some other interesting things are that the Empress and the Emperor cards are both designed to show the strength between the families. So mm-hmm. there's like the Sfarza coat of arms... Uh, on the Empress and uh, the Emperor has kind of a combination of symbols for both families. So it's interesting because it's kind of like, I mean, I guess this would have been more helpful to talk about in the fun facts section, but (laughs) it's just like, it's so I, I I don't feel myself very drawn to it except Mm -hmm. for when it's used in like fashion and stuff. Yeah. But the actual cards themselves, I'm like, I appreciate these as important tarot moments, but they're just like not, that cute you know well we have to remember this wasn't created for necessarily divination you know this wasn't created to you know like you can definitely do it with those things just like you can do it with uno cards or you can do it with a playing deck with anything you know or you can do it with coffee grounds so um so yeah i think it's it's one of those things where you can totally reach for it, but it's definitely not supposed to be made for divinatory reasons. And I think that that's like one of the reasons that I like our chapter about it so much is that it offers so much cool context and interesting stuff, but it isn't as focused on the spiritual side of it. Yeah. We're not trying to woo woo it, like force woo woo out of it. Like some people do. No, not at all. Not at all. That is for sure. We're never trying to force woo woo out of anything. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, you can pre-order our book now you can. through our website, wildlytarot.com, and it's coming out in September, and we have a whole beautiful chapter with images of the cards and more information about the history of all of it, and it is a, I'm super proud of that chapter because it was so, so cool. stressful to get started because it's so much information. <laughs> it's the first, like, the first of anything is so stressful to get started, but... Yeah, but it's, it's super, super cool. great. It super is so great. Cool. And there's episode two of our tarot summer camp. Woohoo! The Visconti Tarot and Rachel's job life. Yeah. <laughs> so you can look at all of our links in the show notes and yep. go forth and tear wildly. Hi. Yeah, go forth and tear wildly. <laughs> we Have love a great you. Great day, everybody. So Happy summer camp. Yeah. <laughs>